Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. The title of my message is Apollos' Creed. So let's pick it up in 18, chapter 18, verse 24. Here's what Luke tells us. Now a Jew named Apollos, there you go, there's the name Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of, you say it with me, of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now, in weeks past, we we spent quite a bit of time in Corinth. That is, looking at uh, what took place uh, under Paul's ministry there. Well, today, now, as you just read with me, we are in Ephesus, in, in new territory. And in this passage, well, there's no mention of Paul. The attention now shifts to this man named Apollos. Everybody say that name with me. Apollos. Now, if you want to hear a good speaker... If you want to hear someone who's eloquent, if you want to hear someone who's competent in the scriptures, well, Apollos is your man. As a matter of fact, Luke is careful to tell us that this man, Apollos, well, first of all, he was a native of Alexandria, not too far from here. (laughs) Of course, right? No, 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 no. For those of you uh, who are not laughing, you didn't get, no, no, obviously not, not. Locally, Um, he's a native of Alexandria, and that is of Egypt. Okay, North Africa. He was a native of Alexandria, and as we learn here, that this man, who's a native of Alexandria, he was eloquent and he was educated. He was erudite. He was articulate. Like this is the guy that you want speaking to you, and so we're told that. He was from Alexandria. And just as a a quick note, Alexandria was an intellectual city. As a matter of fact, uh, scholars tell us that uh, Alexandria was the home to a a world-renowned library. And so in the ancient world, when, when you thought of Alexandria, you would naturally think intellectualism. You would think education. And so Apollos was a native of this area. And once again, we're told that, and this makes sense, right? That he was, let's just use some ease here. He was from Egypt, but he was eloquent. He was not only eloquent, but he was educated and he was energetic. So it's like this dude was the total package when he spoke. Uh, In addition to these things, we're told that when he taught, when he spoke, well, he taught correctly. The word here is that he taught accurately concerning the things of Jesus. Okay, so if you just stop right there and you don't go any further, like once again, like this is the guy that you want to sit under and learn from. Does that make sense? 
Like he's got a lot going for him. All the E's. I ran out of E's, but let me give them to you one more time. He was from Egypt. He was eloquent. He was educated. He was energetic. I'm convinced that when Apollos taught, like veins came out of his neck, I think. Like, like kind of when I preach, you get excited. And so this dude like had it going on in many, many ways. But well, we're, we're told here that in so many words, something was missing in his presentation. There was something missing from Apollos's creed. There was something that was lacking. And so we're told here that this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, they heard him teach. They heard him proclaim the word. They heard him share. And well, as they listened, of course, Apollos did a great job overall, but they noticed that, well, something was missing. Something was a bit off. It's not that Apollos taught something heretical. It's not that he was teaching something false, but as Aquila and Priscilla listened, well, they, they noticed like there's something that was missing, I would say, in this guy's presentation that caught their attention. And so we're told here, Luke tells us that, well, they, they took him aside. They took him aside in, in order to explain the way of God more accurately. Now, before I go any further, let, let me just say this. Um, everyone makes mistakes when they speak. As a matter of fact, the, the longer you speak, the more you speak, the greater the likelihood that you are going to what? misspeak, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, here's just the truth of the matter. What I'm doing right now, well, let me just put it this way to you. Some of you would rather die than to get up here on stage and to speak publicly. So for you, if you're that person, like you would say, just plan my funeral, like just plan my funeral. I would rather die than get up and to speak publicly. Raise your hand. Like if public speaking is just not your thing, be honest. If it's not your thing, it's okay. I mean, I get it because there is a pressure on public speakers, isn't there? Like you're listening to me, you're watching me and you're listening to every word I say. And the aim is for what I say to be clear, to make sense, because if it's not, then it doesn't help you, right? So no pressure on me, right? <laughs> No, there's a lot of pressure on me. I prepare, I study. Like when I get up here, I'm absolutely convinced of what I'm about to say. I promise you that. I don't come up here and kind of figure it out as I go because I, I know that, well, you're not going to grow if I'm fumbling around through the week. And if I show up unprepared, that doesn't help you. And I love you and I want you to grow. Do y'all feel that? I want you to grow. So I, I come prepared. I come with the word. But nonetheless, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how long you've been speaking or how smart you are or how eloquent you are. Eventually, if you do it, the more you do it, the longer you do it, I should say, the more likely it is that you are going to say something amiss. You're going to say something wrong. If you don't believe me, well, just ask Steve Harvey. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I think it was 2015. Just to be clear, I did not watch the Miss Universe pageant or whatever you call it. I did not watch it. What I saw was a clip, if you remember the clip, when Steve Harvey announced the wrong winner of Miss Universe. Do y'all remember that? Have you seen the clip? It's like I watched it earlier and like I know it happened years ago, but like I wanted to pray for Steve Harvey right then on the spot when I watched it. 
Like, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. You saw it, you know what I'm talking Like, painful, right? Like, they even crowned, they crowned the wrong gal. You remember that? And then he turns around and he said, I am so sorry. Like, like what do you do when the whole world is watching and you mess that up? Now, I love Steve Harvey. I, my point isn't to pick on him, but my point is to illustrate the truth. The longer you speak, the more you speak. Yeah, you can get better in a lot of ways, but you're going to make mistakes when you speak. As a matter of fact, uh, if you don't believe me, just ask President Obama, who uh, years ago, he said that he had traveled to 57 states and still had some to go. (laughs) He wasn't thinking about what he was saying, obviously. He clearly, he's a very bright, smart man. He just wasn't thinking about what he was saying. Um, aside from speaking, just recently, there is a, there's a society called the Flat Earth Society. And one of the leaders, somebody from that, that group, posted on their, uh, on their Facebook page, that they, this person proclaimed that the Flat Earth Society has followers all around the globe. Now, let's say that again very slowly. How <laughs> I many of y'all know, it's, it's got, well, which one is it? You gotta, you gotta take, you gotta, you gotta pick. Um, people don't always think about what they type. If they know better, they should not think about what they type or what they say. So we can think about President Obama. We can think about George W. Bush. Y'all remember some of the things he said? Now, love him, honor him, but he, he got things wrong on a regular basis when he spoke. Um, our, our current president... I'm not going there. Um, whether you're Democrat or Republican, you, you have to admit that he, he makes some mistakes when he speaks. Uh, every president does. Everybody who's in the business of speaking publicly, you're going to mess it up eventually. As a matter of fact, one time I was listening to one of my favorite uh, preachers. This was years ago. He was fired up in the service. He was fired up in a message. It was like the climax, the point where we're like, boom, here's, here's the big truth. And, and here's what he said. He said, if you could just understand what awaits you. If you could just understand what God has prepared for you, something like that. Then he said this word for word. He said, listen, saints. He said, no eye has heard. No ear has seen. How many of y'all know that'd be very difficult? (laughs) Are y'all with me? So no pressure on what I'm doing, right? There's enormous pressure to get this right. Uh, Mark Twain, who was a wordsmith, he said, the difference between the almost right word and the right word is really a large matter. Tis the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. (laughs) Right? It's true, huh? But but here's the point. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what you're back. Listen, you're going to mess things up at some point when you speak and you just learn to uh, grow through it. I know I've had my share of gaps. I'm sure I will more in the future. The longer I speak, the longer I go. You can go back and listen to things I got wrong. It's just part of it. We're going to mess things up. But here's what I want you to say about Apollos. Okay, Apollos, as far as we know, did not misspeak, at least not in a way that caught anybody's attention. Apollos taught about Jesus and he did so in an accurate way. What he said about Jesus publicly in the synagogue there, it was right as far as what he said, but there was more to the message. There was more to it that Apollos simply wasn't aware of. Uh, We know that he, he was knowledgeable of the baptism of John, but there was more to it than that. There was Christian baptism. There was more to the message about the spirit. There was more to the message just that he was not educated about. 
And what I love here, Luke points this out in 1826. It says, let me read it one more time. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now that says a lot about this couple, doesn't it? That they loved him enough. They loved Apollos enough. They loved the message enough. They loved the truth enough to take the time to pull this man aside and to explain the way of God more accurately. Man, we need people like that in our lives, don't we? People who will love us enough to pull us aside to explain the way of God more accurately. And so we can say a lot about this couple. I mean, man, they really loved him. They really cared about him. But more than that, they really cared about the truth and they wanted to make sure that he got it right. Now, it's very likely that this couple, they took him aside and they invited, they invited Apollos into their home, which was a way of saying, Let's show this guy some hospitality. Let's bring him in. Let's not rebuke him publicly. Let's have him over. Let's have him over. Let's sit down at the table and let's help bring further clarity concerning the message. Now, to be clear, to be clear, there is a place for public rebuke. Now, most of us don't have a category in our minds for that. But biblically speaking, read Galatians 2. Uh, Peter got some things wrong publicly, and so Paul rebuked him, corrected him publicly. There is a place for that, okay? But in this case, Apollos didn't teach anything heretical. There was nothing egregiously wrong. There was just more to it that he wasn't aware of. And this couple, they pull him aside, have him over, and... And their heart, I think, was to avoid shaming him. They really just wanted to have a sit down moment with him. And thank God this man, Apollos, was humble enough to listen. Now, let me, let me help you with this. Every time I come up and I preach from Acts, I don't have an agenda outside of this. My aim is just to preach what's next in the, in the text. To preach what's next in the text, as I was preparing this message this last, you know, the last four days or so, I, I, I'm like, man, this is a word that everybody, including myself, really needs to hear. Because watch, according to what I said earlier, if that's correct, and it is, Apollos was, he was from Egypt. He was eloquent. He was erudite. He was articulate. And he was accurate in what he taught. This man was a native of where? Of where? Egypt, but Alexandria, Louisiana, right? You'll never forget it that way. I'm being funny. I'm Alexandria, which was an intellectual center. He was, listen, he was educated in what we call the Old Testament. I mean, this dude had it going on. But nonetheless, this educated man needed more education. And if that was true of Apollos, how much more so for us? Are you with me? I never, ever, ever want to get to the point where I have deceived myself into thinking that I have arrived. How about you? There are some people that are like, okay, I I got it. And I'm like, you have no idea what you don't have. (laughs) There are people who walk with that pride, that air. And there's some people that that they're so, they're so unteachable. Then there's a pride that they feel like, well, no, I, I know it. They know they don't really know it, but they walk around like they've arrived. They walk around like what they have is enough. Listen, when it comes to the word of God, listen, there is no end to the study 
of the word of God. I've been at this for, listen, for over two decades. And yes, I have advanced degrees. Yes, I'm a pastor and a professor. That's true. Yes, I have a PhD in New Testament. So what? All I know is that for the next, if the Lord lets me live 40 years, I'm going to have my nose in the Bible, getting in the Bible so the Bible can get in me so that I can look more like Jesus and accomplish his will in this world. And listen, I haven't come close. I feel like I've barely scratched the surface. There's so much truth in the word of God. There's so much there. May we never get complacent. May we never get to the place where we think we have arrived. We can learn a lot from Apollos because he was educated. He was eloquent. Veins came out when he spoke. He had, you know, all these things going on for him. But nonetheless, what I love about this man is that he humbled himself And he allowed this couple to pull him aside to educate him further. Boy, you can learn a lot from this man, can't you? The willingness to allow someone to pull us aside to speak the way of God, explain it more accurately. But here's what I want you to see. In particular, Aquila and Priscilla took this man aside. You say, well, okay, what does that mean? It means that God used, listen, ladies, ladies, lean in. God used both a man and a woman to help this man. They're like, well, some of you think, well, of course. But, But watch this. Sometimes we think, well, it's the men. God's gonna use the men, and God will use men. How many of y'all know? God will use you, men. Nobody knows. Let me tell you, men, God will use you if you surrender to him and open your life to him and yield to him. God will use you. Now, for most people are like, well, yeah, most men are like, well, of course he will. I mean, why wouldn't he? (laughs) Listen to me. If you're humble, God will use you, men. But let me just speak to something that just should go without saying. Ladies, God wants to use you as well. God used Priscilla who was more fully educated than Apollos, he used both Aquila and Priscilla in pulling Apollos aside to explain the way of God more accurately. And you know what that means? It means that Priscilla knew the message. She had a full understanding of the gospel. She had not a perfect understanding, but a full understanding of the message so that when she's listening to Apollos, she's like, yes, that's good. Yes, hey, preach Apollos. You know? But then, but nonetheless realized that there was a deficiency in this man's teaching. I love the fact that Luke highlights that both a man and a woman were used in helping this man, Apollos, get to the next level. Does that make sense? Now, listen, ladies, some of you perhaps here, you've bought into the lie That theology is primarily for the men and that, well, fluffy stuff is for the ladies, for you. You bought into the lie that theology and scripture uh, study and going deeper like that, that's for the men, but, but not so much for you. And maybe you believe that lie because, well, there's a culture in American Christianity in some places that's been created to make you feel that way. Like the men can get the revelation, the men can do this or that, but, but the ladies sometimes perhaps 
you feel left out. Or perhaps you feel like you've just got to stay in the shallow waters and kind of splash around there for a while. Listen to me. Let, let me just break up that lie. Let me just kick down that lie. Listen to me, ladies. Men need the word of God. Men need theology. Men need scripture. But you need the scriptures just as much as the men. And listen to me. You have the capacity and the help. The same help that I get is the same help that you get. Listen to me, ladies. You can read your word, study your word, meditate on your word, and speak your word, his word, just like Priscilla, and be used by God to see a harvest all around you. Ladies, you've got the ability, you've got people, you've got the spirit, you've got the God-given ability to take the word, to understand the word, and to apply the word. And one of my jobs and joys here in Midtown is to equip the ladies for you to rise up to understand that God has anointed you with the Holy Spirit. He has given you his word to go forth and to make disciples, to speak truth, to break curses. Come on, y'all, to lift the yokes, to see people saved, to see people delivered. And how many of y'all know that happens by the word? Ladies, I'm calling you up today. Maybe you feel like, well, I can't really understand it. Yes, you can. Maybe you've been a part of a culture where you've been overlooked. In this culture, you won't be overlooked. You will be raised up. If it's the last thing I do before I go see Jesus, I'm going to raise you up by the power of God with the word of God to see you flourish and prosper by the power of God and through the word of God. Do y'all receive that, ladies? So there's a place to start. You don't start in the deep end. You'll drown. You got to start somewhere. Maybe you start shallow in a Bible study. Some shallow Bible studies are okay. It's okay to, to go there, but don't stay there. Did you get that? You go there, you got to start somewhere, but don't stay there. God expects all of us to grow, men and women, to grow in our understanding of the word, to grow in the revelation of the word of God. And so some of you have been kind of splashing through shallow waters. It's okay to go there. Don't stay there. Get in a discipleship group. We'll help you today. Find a discipleship group to get in with some other ladies. Miss Terry and others. There's so many godly women who've been in the word for decades. And I sit with Miss Terry. I learn from her. I sharpen her. She sharpens me. How many of y'all know Miss Terry? Stand up real fast. Stand up, please. She has been in the word for decades. How many of y'all know she probably has something to say? Ladies. If you want to be discipled, we have not talked about this, so I'm so sorry if you have more than you can handle, we'll help you. <laughs> See, Miss Terry, she will help you. We have many other ladies here too, younger ones, older ones, wiser ones. We have lots of godly women here who can help you grow in the word. Listen to what the psalmist says about meditating on the word. He says this, listen carefully, Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1, blessed is the man. Now we read that, we're like, yeah, all the men, you know, let's... Make our protein shakes and let's be loud and <laughs> let's do manly stuff. Right? Yeah, of course, it's for the men. For men and women, blessed is the man, the woman. This is women too, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor what? Stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, your delight, her delight, is in what? The law of the Lord. And on his law, he, she meditates day and night. He, she is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields his fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither in all that he does. He prospers. Boy, that's a good word, isn't it? In all that he does, he what? Say it with me. 
He prospers. The wicked, however, are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away, blown here, blown there. With every doctrine and everything that's come down the pipe lately, just you're all over the place. If you're a wicked person, you're not rooted and grounded in the word. You're going to be you're going to be shaken. You're going to be broken. You're going to be moved so easily. But I love here the emphasis is on the man or the woman who meditates on the word of God, not just the law, but the word of God. And you do it regularly. What do you become like? I love the imagery like a what? Tree, what? Planted by streams of water. And I love the language here. Let me say it again. Look what happens. You yield your fruit in season and your leaf will not wither. Boy, that's good news, huh? Ladies, get in the word. Meditate on the word. Sink your roots down into the word of God. And when you do, you become like a tree. You're like a tree. And your roots get into that water, that source of life-giving, curse-breaking, promise-making water, the power of the Word. And then you get in that water, you get in the Word, and then, ladies, you get to know your God. And then when you know God, then you know who you are. You can't know who you are until you know who He, who God is. You learn about Him, and then you get in the Word, and the Word, what does it do? It renews your mind. Come on, how many of y'all got some stinking thinking? Do you think some dumb, wrong, sinful, evil things? Raise your hand. The rest of you are liars. Come on. You need the Word of God to cleanse you, the river of the Word to cleanse your mind. And sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, like yesterday, I I read a passage actually last night before I went to bed. And the passage didn't give me something to do. It didn't say, go do this. But because I read that Word, it gave me a way of thinking. And because I thought differently, how many of y'all know I'll act differently? Because I think a certain way, I'm going to act a certain way. Your beliefs dictate your behaviors. How many of y'all know that's true? And so you need the Word. You need the life-giving water and the Word of God. And so meditate on it, ladies. Open your Bible. Read it day in, day out. Read it till that Bible's falling apart. As Charles Spurgeon once said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Did y'all get that? You've read it so many times. It means you, you know the word. You've meditated on it. And it's not about you just getting in the word. It's the word getting in you. And that changes everything. God is raising up women of the word in this church. Women who love the word. Women who can speak the word. And if you want to be further equipped, I'm going to be at the Welcome Center, right after this service, myself, the team, we're going to help you get connected with some other ladies, some other people beyond Sunday. Sunday's, Sunday's fine. I hope you enjoy Sunday. I mean, I, presumably you do enjoy it. That's why you're here. But there's way more to it than just coming Sunday. We'll help you get connected. All right? Amen? Amen. I'm almost done. I'm not done yet. Don't clap too much. <laughs> One time, Pastor Jacob, he said, I, pre- I preached through the whole book of Revelation on a Saturday. He goes, man, I got how to go. I said, well, you know, after from nine to three at three o'clock, everybody was standing on their feet clapping. He's like, it was that good. I'm like, I think they were just happy it was over. <laughs> yeah. So, so check it out. This is just my opinion. And I'm always careful to say when it's just my opinion. The best thing about Apollos was not his education or his erudition per se. It wasn't his speaking skills. I mean, all that's fine. God uses that. In my view, The best thing about Apollos, the most notable thing about him was his humility 
and his willingness to be taught. And not just verbally saying, please teach me. There was a heart posture that's not stated in the text, but it's assumed that the fact that this couple invited him over and he was willing to receive, how many of y'all know that says a lot about him? Now, sometimes people in the church reach out through Amy. We get emails, text messages wanting to meet with me. People have invited me over to their home. And in my years of pastoring, sometimes that can be awesome. And sometimes that's like, oh, after the fact, I'm like, I didn't know that they were upset about that. Uh, It could be good news or it could be bad news. You just never know when you get an invitation unless it's stated. Well, think about this. Aquila and Priscilla, they take him aside, invite Apollos into their home. Apollos could have been full of pride and said, I ain't coming. I'm not coming. Why would you want to meet with me? Or he could have gone and showed up, sat down, and Aquila and Priscilla could have started teaching him, saying something like, you know, Apollos, like we heard you at the synagogue, like that was awesome. Like you said this well, and you're eloquent, you're all these things. But there's this one part that, well, you, you, you got it right, but there's more to it. If Apollos had been full of pride, think about what he could have said. Don't you know who I am? I'm from Alexandria, Louisiana. He could have said, don't you know, I'm a native of Alexandria, the intellectual hub of the ancient world. He could have said, didn't you hear me speak? I mean, I got most things right. I mean, what I said was accurate. I mean, like, didn't you, you saw the veins, didn't you? Like they came out like I was clear and I was articulate. I was eloquent. I had all these things going for me. Like, why would you pick on this one thing? How many of y'all know that's what a prideful person would say? But I love this about Apollos. As far as we know, he didn't do any of that. From what we know, Apollos went over for coffee. Had CCs, of course. And he received, he received this word of education and instruction from this couple. Wow. The ability to receive is one of the greatest abilities we have as believers. The willingness to humble ourselves and to be further instructed by a brother or a sister, by a brother and a sister. It's one of our greatest abilities that we should use more often. Pride cripples. Pride cripples. It hamstrings us on our spiritual journey. And there are some people who should be further along by virtue of how long they've been in it, but pride has crippled them, has hindered them along the way. But watch what happened. Because he was humble, because he was teachable, listen to what happens next, and we're almost done. It's 12.07. Y'all, I'm usually still in my introduction. You should be happy about this. Acts 18, verse 27. We'll start there. Just two verses, actually. 27 and 28. Here's what Luke tells us. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those 
who through grace had believed. For, look at this, I love the language. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Boy, that's strong, isn't it? Aquila and Priscilla pull him aside, instruct him further. He receives in private. And now the next thing we read is that he goes forth into a different place. And he went from private instruction to public success as he ministered the word in that next place God had for him. And we're told here, the brothers, I love the language here. The brothers encouraged him. Listen, let me encourage you. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I want to encourage you. If you're just getting started, I want to encourage you. You say, oh, I should be so further along. Maybe. But let me, let me encourage you by saying this. I'm fired up that you're here today. You could be at home. Listen, just for a second, let me give a shout out to the single moms. You know who you are. You don't have that much help, but you know how much you need the Lord and how much your kids need the Lord. And Sunday mornings isn't the only way that they can experience it. You can experience the Lord, but you make the sacrifice. You do what you got to do to get up in the morning, to get them dressed, to get here, to hear the word of God. Now, this is all you get. There's more to it, but I just want to honor you. Mamas, you get your kids here. You get yourself here. You know, my old pastor used to say that one of the greatest hindrances to the advancement of the kingdom of God on a Sunday morning is a missing sock. It's true, isn't it? Let's give it up for the single moms. Come on. Single people, married people, men could have slept in today. Men, lead your homes. Don't be domineering. Lead your homes by example. Bust through the door if you got kids. Sunday mornings, say, y'all, it's time to get up. We're going to Midtown to hear the word of God. Because how many of you know, if men, if you're not excited about the word, you can't expect your kids to be excited about the word. But if you are, hopefully that'll rub off on them. Y'all tracking? I want to encourage you wherever you are. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being in a discipleship group. Thank, thank you. I just want to encourage you in that. The brothers encouraged Apollos and wrote to the disciples, wrote this letter of recommendation, this letter of approval, if you will, wrote the letter to say, basically, Apollos is coming and this guy has our stamp of approval. And one of the reasons he did was because, was because Apollos humbled himself. He was teachable. Man, there is so much power in humility. Apollos was fruitful because Apollos was humble. Apollos was successful because he was teachable. Here we see that he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. We're told that he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, 
And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was humble in private. Boy, what a word for us. What a word. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And I don't want to overstate my case. I think this is right. It's virtually impossible to be a faithful and fruitful disciple without community, without other people in our lives. It's virtually impossible. And it's really easy to come here on Sunday, and if you don't know anybody else, you know, well, you can come in here and, and kind of blend in with the crowd. And, and you can benefit from what I'm saying. I hope you do. But this is just the beginning. It's God's will for you to be connected with other believers who can sharpen you through the week to explain the way of God more accurately. Not, not those who just throw flags and say what's wrong, but those who will commend you for what you're doing right. How many of y'all know encouragement is the superpower of the day? Use it. It's the superpower by the Holy Spirit God has given us to use on one another. But you can't do it alone. You can't do this. You can't be truly faithful and fruitful by just coming here in a crowd. It's God's will for you to have a core, to have people in your lives, men and women in your lives who can speak the word, who can disciple you. The word that's often used is mentor you. Let me ask you a question and then we're almost done. Do you have somebody in your life who is pulling you aside to speak the way of God and the word of God more accurately? Do you have somebody in your life that's helping you grow? Like, like literally, like helping, like side by side, on the phone, meeting with that person at Starbucks or wherever. In your life to help you grow. Over the years, I've had many great men and women who spoke in the Word of God into my life. I'm a professor, I'm a pastor and a professor at Regent University. I just went to an academic conference in Virginia Beach. I stayed at um, Dana Cavallaro's home. Uh, she and her husband have a beautiful home um, on Chesapeake Bay. So I went there and suffered for the Lord last week. Uh, actually, the week before, it was uh, leading up to last time. We came back um, last, not yesterday, Saturday before, got back, stayed on uh, there on the bay. And I, I got to spend time with Dana and her husband, Dan. And Lord have mercy, this woman is a woman of God. And man, I learned from her. I learned from her. I learned from Alexa Beaumont, who years ago, when she was cutting my hair, would speak the word of God over me. How many of y'all know she, she had a captive audience right there? Scissors in hand, I couldn't turn too far to the left or right. I, like She had me right where she wanted me. I learned from Elixir all those years ago. I learned from Professor Dana, and I've learned from Pastor Rice Brooks, from Ray McCollum, from Sam Storm, from Michael Brown. I mean, it's not about me name dropping. I'm just saying, over the years, I've done a lot of things wrong. And you're like, do tell. <laughs> I've done a lot of things wrong as a Christian. But one thing by the grace of God that I've gotten right is that I have consistently 
pursued. People who are further along in their walk than I am. And I've asked them in one way or another to speak into my life. This time last year, I sent an email to a man, his name is Bob Menzies. He's an older Pentecostal scholar. Went to Aberdeen, published, written for years. His dad was a historian for the Pentecostal movement. Long story short, about two decades ago, I went to a bookstore and I was needing further instruction on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I walked in the bookstore and there was, there was his book. He and his dad, uh, Bill and Bob, wrote this book called Spirit and Power, Foundations of Pentecostal Experience. I remember the color. I can just vividly see it was right like saying, it was like saying by me, the book was. I purchased the book and the book helped me understand this book, the Bible, in a whole new way. And so I reached out to Bob and I said, listen, and, and actually I sent an email, but the, vi- the, the email had a video link, a link to a YouTube video I made. And in the video, I said, listen, Dr. Menzies, you don't know who I am, but I want to thank you for being used by God. Your writings changed my life. And I want you to know how thankful I am that God used you, books you've written to make me into into who I am today. Something like that. Big word of encouragement. So I sent the email. I hit send. Email went through with the video link. And I'm thinking, this guy is going to get this email. And the first thing he's going to think is, stalker. (laughs) He responded very quickly. And he said that in decades of teaching, he's never had anyone send a video word of encouragement to him. And I got that email and I'm like, and he said, I am so encouraged by what you said. Thank you. At the time, I'm like, okay. He responded, that's all I needed. I just wanted him to know that. Well, I've had a lot of mentors. I've got Pastor Jacob and I've got Pastor, I've got all kinds of men in my life, but the Lord showed me I needed a mentor in another area of my life. And so Dr. Menzies and I, we've corresponded in the last year, Zoom calls, phone calls. And so here recently, I got on the phone with him and I said, Dr. Menzies, I said, this might be a long shot, but, but I need someone to speak into this area of my life. Would you be my mentor? And he said, I would be honored. And I'm like, really? He said, I'd be honored. And you know, it's like getting married. You never know for sure until you ask and you get the the answer. And I'm not dropping his name. Most of you don't even know the name. But what I am saying, to have him mentor me is a huge deal. You need to know that your pastor is under the authority of other elders, other pastors here locally who are speaking the word of God into my life, but that also have other people beyond that. I am surrounded by people who are helping me grow. And I don't just do that for me. I do that as an example for you. And what I want to say, you can, yeah, thank you. I want to, I want to set a good example for you because yeah, I've got advanced degrees. Who cares? 
I do. I spend a lot of money. <laughs> but that's not the point. It's hunger to grow. It's hunger to know God better. And you don't need a formal education to do that. All you need is an open heart, a willing spirit, and the right people around you who can pull you aside to explain the way of God more accurately. Do you have that? It's God's will for you to have that. And maybe you're not as bold as I am. I do some nutty, bold things. I saw those men, I saw what they had, and I just walked right up. I'm like, I need you. Would you, would you do this? Would you do that? I used to corner my pastor right before he was coming up on stage to preach. I'd corner him. I'd look back, and I'm like, why did I do that? I was bold. Maybe you're not. It's okay. I understand. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. Earlier, I told you what you need to know. Now I want to tell you what I want you to do. In this community here, we call Midtown, there are a lot of godly men and women who are just a few steps, perhaps many steps ahead of you. Some are just a little way ahead, some way ahead. You will know who they are. As you're in this community, as you get to know us and we get to know you, I want, I want to challenge you to be bold in this sense. Men, you see another man? You see other men that you want to be like? You see Christ in them? Shake their hand, introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I've watched you. I've seen your example, at least here at church, and I need to grow. Would you, would you be willing to mentor me? It's a big ask, isn't it? For some people, that's a big step. But you never know what's on the other side of your humility and your boldness to ask. Ladies, do you have someone like that? so many godly women all you have to do is ask no pressure just a word of encouragement I want to challenge you just ask we have discipleship groups that are going to launch again soon we're ending a semester now but golly there's so much opportunity for us to grow together as you go home today I want you to think about what I've said. You don't have to make any big decision today. But it is my job and my joy. It's Pastor David's job and his joy to help you all grow. Let's, let's do this together. Y'all want to do it together? Boy, it's fun when we grow together, huh? Isn't it fun? When we humble ourselves, we grow. And just like Apollos, he was fruitful because he was humble. He was successful because he was teachable. If that was true for him, that'll also be true for us. Amen.